We're going back to the first course we played here on the WGT Challenge, and it is Pebble Beach. Hole one, Pebble Beach. You're right there in the middle of the fairway. Got a nice back pin placement, a lot of green to work with to roll it up. Try and get it nice and tight. You probably have to get a hole in one to win at this point. No, you guys got to get it close. But if you do that, if you get it nice and close, you're going to win the weekly prize, uh, which is your choice of a nice gift card to a local place or a BSN t-shirt of your choice. Or just for playing, you get a raffle into our final prize, which will be your choice of tickets or a jersey. So make sure you go to freewgt.com and get in on this week's challenge and play along with us. I happen to be 5-0 and against these guys. Uh, they're not giving me much competition, but there's <laughs> stiff competition within the community. So Pebble Beach is my course, Ryan. Oh, all right, this yep. is your week. This is your week, Zach. All right, let's hop into the show. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast, which is presented by Strava Craft Coffee. And Strava Craft Coffee is awesome. It's CBD-infused coffee, which will help you with your everyday aches and pains, your migraines, whatever it is you got going on. And not to mention, you'll get that, that coffee buzz that you're looking for without the jitters that you might not like. Personally, me, just, you know, just send the caffeine straight into my veins. But hey, maybe you want a calmer uh, caffeine buzz. Strava Craft Coffee will get you hooked up. And if you use the code BSN2019, you're going to get 20% off your order from Strava Craft Coffee. So make sure you check that out. Well, it is Monday, which means Mace is back on the podcast. And if you listened to yesterday's podcast, you've already heard Zach and I's instant reaction. So this is the closest we can get to an instant reaction from Mace. Mace, what'd you take away? A Mace Monday. Mace's a Mace Monday. Monday. Well, thank you for the warm welcome. It's good to be back in Colorado. Um... What I took away, confidence in the running game, and also, in general, if this team's going to get out of this muck, literally yesterday on a wet day in Green Bay, figuratively, the children will lead them. Because if you go through the Broncos on the offensive side, they're number one, number two, number three, and number five players in yards from scrimmage are all rookies or second-year players. So you have Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman in the top three. Then you go to Emmanuel Sanders. And then you have, at number five, Noah Fant. And by the way, Noah Fant, he's on pace for 48 catches, over 500 yards. You'd like to see him get a touchdown, but he is on a perfectly fine rookie, play, rookie pace for a first-round tight end. The point being... This team needs to stop being afraid of getting younger and playing the kids. Mm. And it's something that may come into play if this thing doesn't get turned around 
and Drew Locke is coming off of IR, and the team is sitting at two and six or three and six or whatever. So, Mace, there's two sayings out there. Tell me which one you subscribe to. And in fact, Vic Fangio brought both of these up today. He said, There's the old saying, keep doing the same thing and expect different results. That's not very smart. But there's also a saying, too. I'm really glad that he didn't mm-hmm. say that's the definition of insanity because it's not. <laughs> but then he also said, There's another saying. Change for just change's sake isn't very smart either. So you're looking for somewhere in between. It's basically uh, like uh, Solzhenitsyn once said that you uh, dwell on the past and you lose an eye, you forget the past, and you lose both eyes. <laughs> I'm confused. Anyway. <laughs> Who said this again? Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn. Is that like Socrates? It, yeah, He's a Russian. He was a... Uh, a Russian philosopher, writer, dissident back in the Soviet days. I thought it was a group of people. <laughs> like the transcendentalists? Yeah. <laughs> can, can that uh, count as our word of the day? But Sure, it can. <laughs> but, the, but I think also it's, you're looking at that and you're a little bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. But in the case of what Vic Fangio is talking about, you're trying to find a happy medium. That's not every change, you, you're, not every, you're, you're not making changes willy-nilly, but you are going to make some changes if, they feel like you can, if he feels like he can improve them. The question is, which changes does he think need to be made? I imagine, for example, that, and it's not an issue right now, but if Drew Locke were healthy, even though people would be clamoring for Drew Locke, he would say, no, that's not a good idea. But... Where else in the lineup are you considering changes? I think we saw one yesterday with Devontae Bosby basically yep. uh, taking the spot from Isaac Yadam. Bosby was making plays on the ball and playing with a confidence that Isaac Yadam didn't display over the course of the first two weeks of the season. So that's one right there. About oh, one week and <laughs> like 18 drives too late, or like 12 drives. Like you should have just done that after the first drive in Oakland. And then today Vic's talking about him where Devontae had two pass breakups on third down, had a good game, and he's harping on all the things he did wrong. And then he did give him credit, said he did a good job. But that just shows you why it took Devontae so long to get in there is because Vic is very hesitant about him. Well, I think also he wants to see if a guy can work his way out of a situation because the way that a coach may look at it, someone who's been around a long time, like Vic Fangio, he may say, well, okay, over the broader sample size that includes preseason, all the practices, we think Yadam is better than Bosby. So are we, how soon do we go back on that given that the game sample size at this point is relatively small. Yeah. And that's why you generally don't start seeing changes until a few weeks down the line. It's like in baseball, for example. You know, a guy gets off to a slump at the start of a season. You're not going to pull him out of the lineup in the first month. You're going to see if he can find his groove. If he's still in a slump in mid-May, Memorial Day, then you start talking about a change. Unless he's Ian Desmond, in which case he just stays around forever. Uh, But... Why you got to do that on this Monday? I was actually about to give credit to, I believe it was Jim Tracy who was the manager at the time. The Rockies acquired Carlos Gonzalez in the trade with Matt Holiday, and they brought him up, and dude was hitting like 079 for the first like two months, and everyone was like, what is this guy doing in the lineup? And then out of nowhere, he turned into a star. Well, Jim Tracy was asked at some point during that process, how long is Cargo going to stay in the lineup? And his answer was, until he figures it out. 
Yeah, well, and that's what you can do when you're terrible. Yeah. You know, and I guess as Rich Gangrello says, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, that's probably what the Broncos are feeling. Uh, are, they're, they're, probably, they're not there now, but that's probably the point they're going to get to with Garrett Bowles. Well, what's the point of benching him at this point? We've got a whole year to just try and develop him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And Vic today said Garrett did a fine job, uh, and Vic's words were, he didn't have a holding, and I know all of you were looking for one. Not me. <laughs> Did you raise your hand and say, "Actually, uh, I wasn't." Guy the, RK. Yeah, I, I wasn't at the press conference. I was at a, a meeting with Brandon Spano and others. But that's what you should have said. Nope, nope. RK predicted that he wouldn't have a hold. He was the only person in the world who thought that, and he was right. Speaking of holdings, the outrageous Emmanuel Sanders holding call. Outrageous, right? Nope. Vic Fangio said it was a holding. Oh, give me a break. This is the guy, no, no, this no, no, guy, no. This is the guy that last week came out and defended his players and said there were bad calls. Stop. I don't think Oh. I don't Ooh. think he meant that because Brandon Cristal of KOA asked about the holding, but he didn't say which player. I think Vic Fangio was talking about the holding on the offensive line because there was a call against Ron Leary. Because I, I don't think Fangio was thinking in terms of the hold on Sanders because that was a point in the press conference close to when they were talking about the offensive line. Well, the, according to the quote sheet, they do specifically point to the Emmanuel Sanders holding well, that, call, which Vic responded and said he held him. Well, that's probably what they're assuming on the quote sheet, but... That. I also took it as that. I as didn't. Well. Ta- so I didn't take it. Go I actually it. heard that, and I said I did not. And I and I thought it was a failure to specify who the holding was on in the question. And I think everyone just assumed Sanders because that's what you'd be. You know, that's what you think they would be asked about. But I think Fangio was referring to the Ron Leary hold. Regard uh, whatever he was referring to, it doesn't matter. It was not a hold. Uh, it just wasn't. It simply wasn't. So. I don't care what he's talking about. Uh, I mean, did the we ref- ever see? Did we ever see the other angle though, where you could see if there was a hold? Where the angle that the ref had was worse than the one we had on TV. So I don't know how he could possibly make that. All. The dude, the only way he makes that call is because I think it was was it Amos. I think it was who was the player in on the play. He threw his arms up. That's the only thing he possibly could have seen from that angle because the ref was looking at the uh, at the defender's back. Amos so actually sold it pretty well. He did, but like, it was it was straight out of the uh, the basketball book of flopping, and it had n- it would not have no matter what happened there it would have been a touchdown. <laughs> so, uh, t- terrible call. In the end, it doesn't matter. You lost by eleven. If you lose by four, then we're talking about that maybe. But we're talking more about the two short fields set up by turnovers. When I wrote my story last night, I looked at that, and I said, wow. They only gave up one full field touchdown. One, mm-hmm. one touchdown of more than 50, uh, 37 yards. And what's interesting is, like, looking at the Packers on offense, it very much resembled what happened against Minnesota the week before. They burst out early. When they're on the first 15-play script, they look pretty good. And after that, just gradually tailing off. Aaron Rodgers, you know, throwing it away. There were he had a couple of worm burners. Yep. When he just wanted to get rid of the ball and emerge intact and go on to the next play and not worry about it. What we talked about last week coming out of the Packer Viking game and where he stood and where that offense stood, 
it actually bore itself out in the game. Yeah, nothing changed. Look, like I said, they had three touchdown drives, one of seven yards, one of 37 yards, and one of 75 yards, and that was the first drive of the game. But do you guys also remember a time when this defense was the, the badass MF unit, and even if you gave them a short field, it would be like, okay, not on our watch. Right, that they'd Cleveland get like three game, straight sacks, and you'd yeah, be out of field goal range. The Cleveland game in 2015 overtime when the Browns literally get the ball in a field goal range, and then they're punting from their own side of the 50 after a series of downs. But they've gotten away, but they can't get that back. Now it's like they get a short field and they can't man up. They, they used to say back in 2015 they didn't view the short fields as an excuse. But now it's, it's a just different a, it, time. Times have changed, and you can never count on your defense in that way unless it's already – like. That, that was a historic could. defense. Right. Here's the this infuriating is part is they are counting on this defense to be exactly that. Not to bail them out of short fields. They're, no, they're they counting are. on the defense nope. to not ever be in short fields. They are counting on the defense to do everything to win the game. They're, they're counting on them to do everything, and they just want the offense to not mess it up. And that's what it was last year. That's what it was the year before. We heard it from Vance every week, and now we're hearing it from Vic as well. And it's two weeks where, you know, ah, shoot. Uh, the, the, Vic doesn't say the formula like Vance used to say, but Vic is saying, you know, we're not doing things all around. And is there truth that it, the problems are all around? Yes, but they're just counting on this formula to play them out. It, they're, they're not doing the New England Patriots approach of, we're going to cater to our opponent and do what they do. In fact, it's working against them. Their opponents are now catering game plans to beat them, and it's working. They've got to change the landscape of what they're doing yep. on the defensive side because we've talked about this for a couple of weeks. The secret is out on this Broncos defense. Some of it is based off of Fangio's scheme. Some of it is also just based off what this defense has done the last couple of years. Don't. Don't hold the ball for very long in the pocket. You don't need to push it downfield. You can take what's there. The fairways and greens approach. You're playing a par five. You're not trying to drive, drive and get on the green in two. You're okay laying up. So if that's the case, how do you force them into doing some different things? And they're going to have to probably dial up some blitzes that they haven't been willing to do for years, frankly. Yeah, I wrote this in my story, and, and when I typed it out, I just cringed <laughs> because I had just gone through this whole thing about how bad the offense is. And then I started talking about how the defense has been talking about, well, we just need a lead. We need a lead. And I wrote out this sentence. For a team that's built upon the defense and asks the offense to simply not screw it up, needing the offense to serve as a spark plug for the defense seems like a problem. And it's like, whose idea was this? Who thought up this whole idea of, okay, you have this great defense, and then you just get this offense who you're just asking them to just, oh, you got to do is not turn it over, and then we'll just punt it. And then it's like, and then the defense turns around and says, well, we need the offense to really do our thing. It's like, whose plan was this? And, and obviously the answer is John Elway. But it's like, this plan is, you just, all you have to do is say the plan out loud and it's flawed in design. You know they, when the plan works? 
is when you have when you have Aaron Rodgers. That's what they did to the Broncos yesterday. When you have a Hall of Fame quarterback like Peyton Manning, as and well. that's and exactly. And in 2015, that was the plan. I think there was a a moment at the end of Super Bowl 50, and of course you've got Gary Kubiak mic'd up, and he's. I think he said to John Elway, "You know, there's a lot of ways to win a Super Bowl," and because they had Von Miller and Chris Harris Jr. that as the strength of the team. They've been trying so desperately to recreate that, to do that again. They're like, okay, we did it once. We can find a way to do it again. Here's the problem with that. Let's take a look at a long, hard look at the teams that have won it all or the teams that have been in the conference championship games over the last several years as football has evolved into something that is more aerial-centric. The Broncos in 2015 are the outlier compared to all these other teams that are have very that to varying degrees can be considered explosive what are you up to, what are we up to now 19 years in a row um where or 18 out of the last 19 years where the representative of the afc in the super bowl had tom brady peyton manning or ben roethlisberger yeah and then there was the one outlier which was black <laughs> yeah. and then just looking at the quarterbacks that have won obviously nick Foles is an outlier in the super bowl uh a year and a half ago in Minnesota. However, Carson Wentz was playing at an all-pro level and got them Mm -hmm. in position to be at home for the postseason and then have that chance. And then Nick Foles, to his credit, look for the, on that day looked like an all-world quarterback. That was Super crazy. Bowl. He didn't miss a throw. Like, he didn't miss anything. It was wild. Yeah. Um, but then, but yeah, you can go through all the others. The you know even Seattle with that great defense had Russell Wilson right at quarterback. Here's the thing. I mean, you look at yesterday, and, and it was Zach's story. The, the Packers did exactly what the Broncos want to do. They took an mm-hmm. early lead. They teed off on Joe Flacco. They got six sacks, and they forced three turnovers. And, like, that's what the Broncos have been trying to do for years. And it's bore itself out that you cannot count on that. You cannot go into a Sunday counting on turnovers. It's, it's stupid. You know why you really, really, really can't count on this formula? What's there been? 180 minutes of football played for through the Broncos season. You know how many minutes the Broncos have had the lead? Two minutes and two seconds. <laughs> two minutes and two seconds of 180 minutes. And Blink. I don't even remember them. Blink and you'll miss it. So that is telling you you oh, can't play with this formula. You, you can't. And no. the Broncos are trying to. But they, you should have known after the first season without Peyton, 2016, you should have known right then and there, mm, this isn't a good formula. Because that defense was still great. Yeah, and they it still wasn't, missed the playoffs. Yeah. That they, you should have been able to go 12-4 and four with that defense and competent quarterbacking, say a Ryan Fitzpatrick type at that point or a Josh McCown type. You probably could have gone 12-4 and four with either of those. Right. So, okay, well, let's just – so you go 9-7. and seven. I can understand you say, hey, well, let's just tweak a few things here and there, and then we're back in the playoffs. That's fine. I'll, I'll excuse that. Well, then the next year you go 5-11. and 11, And at that point is when you definitely needed to pull the plug on the plan. But no, you don't. So the next year you go 6-10. and 10. And at that point, you certainly say, this plan does not work. We have to rebuild. But no, you do it again. And now we're here at 0-3. We're in a worse place than they've been in a very, very long time. Let me ask you this. Where do you think this team would be right now 
if John Elway had succeeded in being able to c- get Mike Shanahan back to coach the team for 2018? Mm. I don't know. Well, I mean, there's so many different things. Like, what would different quarterback? Right, is Kirk Cousins is probably here. Yes, he follows Mike Shanahan. Um, and maybe he's more the uh. well, but maybe he's more the Kirk Cousins that he was in Washington than he was in Minnesota because what put him on the radar in the first place was playing for Mike Shanahan. But Mace, do you want to deal with all the goober things he says? <laughs> he's such a goober. <laughs> No, I mean, probably in a better. But position. your offense is yeah. better. Yep, I think you're in a better position. I think you have a better. You have a better record last year. I think you're probably eight and eight, nine and seven. I think Fair you have more wins right now than six. Let me ask you this: Five you, years from you're in the middle, but you're competitive. Yep. Five years from today, is it more likely that the Broncos are running the West Coast offense or the Air Raid? Ooh. Five years. John Elway's contract is expired at that point. I'm assuming, in, in my prediction, is that they'll be running the air raid. Or a, a some sort of spread out type of offense. And the, and the idea is that John Elway being here, is he wants this offense to work so badly. And you just, you, you can't do it without all world players. You know, you look out and, and you look at these teams that are just trying to spread it out. And it's like, you, you don't need... You're scheming these guys open. Like, you watch the Rams, and the Rams actually do have really, really good players. They're just completing passes to wide-open guys all over the field. And I'm watching this game just being like, when was the last time the Broncos just threw the ball to a player who's just wide open in the middle of the field? I can't remember it. Well, ask yourself. They have Cooper Cup. He's their third-best receiver, right? Is he the number one receiver if he's a Bronco? Yep. He's a baller. And, you know, there's some good young talent here, but not enough of it. I mean, again... I mean, he's probably not ahead of Emmanuel Sanders, but... Emmanuel Sanders, where I mean, if he doesn't have the phantom holding call, we're talking about him barely, barely being a rumor yesterday. Yeah. And then, so, and then I'm watching, uh, you know, like Andy Reid. That's not necessarily the air raid, but that's, you know, his own version of, of spreading them out. And again, it's just like Mahomes is awesome. Like, he's amazing. But half the time, he's just throwing the, the ball to wide open well, guys. And the other thing, you have, look at the... Young air raid quarterbacks. Now, obviously, we want to see more from Gardner Minshew. He's had two starts. Do we? <laughs> this week? Well, no. Before we, before we make a judgment on him, okay? Right, right, right. We don't know yet. We don't know about Kyle Allen. But it was interesting that Kyle Allen. I think we do, thanks to you, Mace. That yeah, Kyle Allen, who has a background in the air raid, goes against Arizona, a team that because Cliff Kingsbury is coaching them, should have an idea of what Kyle Allen's strengths are and what Carolina will do schematically to play to those strengths. And they didn't have a clue, of course, also. Look who their defensive coordinator is. <laughs> By the way, Shout Vance Joseph's PJ. defense still can't stop a tight end. Mm. Oh, still. You want some encouragement? Vance is going to take down my guy, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> the encouragement to all of this is look at where Joe Flacco was. The, the Ravens were running a Joe Flacco offense one year ago today, and now look where they are. They're keeping up with Kansas City, in Kansas City, with Lamar Jackson. It can happen quick. Lamar Jackson missed a couple throws in that game. He gets those back. They have a chance to win that game. I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not trying to harp on his bad, but I'm saying like 
yeah, you got beat by Patrick Mahomes, but his game yesterday probably would have beat every other team in the NFL. And their defense is still better than the Chiefs' defense. That's one where you look and say, if if there's a rematch in January, even if it's Kansas City, the Ravens are still built on the defensive side to win games and win on the road in January. I could see the results of that game being reversed if How, they meet again. Okay, Mace, I'll give you Baltimore as the AFC contender. I'll give you Kansas City, and I'll take New England. Thanks, guys. I'll take Kansas City. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll take, take Kansas City. <laughs> I'm just saying I think Baltimore has a, should emerge from that game, and even the game they played last year in Kansas City that went to overtime, feeling encouraged that if they get these guys in the playoffs, they can beat them. Do we get a regular season Chiefs-Patriots? You had it the last two seasons. Right, they both finished first. Yeah, we have to, first. right? Yeah, yep. they're nice. That's got to be prime. Excited for that. Um, what, what was it's the just more fun oh. to talk about these teams and the Broncos. <laughs> Here's my spin. Here's my spin, and tell me what you guys think of this Broncos spin. The Broncos actually chose a great time for their worst period of football right now, and they're eventually going to realize that they have to rebuild because even if they were good – they might not be winning the AFC West because of the Patrick Mahomes era. Well, and by it, the time the Broncos the are fifteen, years? no, no, because by the time the Broncos are good again, the Chiefs will have had to pay Patrick Mahomes yeah. like forty-five million a year, and it's gonna it's gonna hurt them. That's my spin of the day. You want to take this, Zach, or shall I? Because I have a quick response <laughs> it's all here. You, Mace. Okay, this is why I wish the Broncos would confront the fact that they are rebuilding and just come out and say it because realistically you need to be thinking about what gives us the best possible team for 2022 and beyond and everything needs to be viewed through that lens how do we compete with the Chiefs and knock them off How do we develop a quarterback that's going to be able to go throw for throw, toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes? And that's why, if the season goes south, I want to see Drew Locke sooner rather than later. Joe Flacco, what he's done the first three games, it's all right. He's basically doing what he did in Baltimore the last four years. Well, I'm glad you asked, Mace, because I'm going to speak for Vic Fangio right now, and you just asked me, are we in a rebuild? No! No! We've got the players here to win. I believe in these players. I enjoy being around them every day. They are a bunch of good guys. They are trying their butts off. We just have to play a little better. Along with that, we have to coach a little better. If we're breaking down fundamentally in certain areas in critical times, that's an it, that's an indictment on us as coaches, not just the players. He's got to say that. Yeah, well, he do, he's afraid of losing. You, you, if you say we're rebuilding, then you're really going to lose the veterans. Yep. And so it's his job to kind of make them stay around until John gets rid of them. <laughs> but I just – they are – I said this when, when we started talking about Kyler Murray on this podcast for the first time ever. And I said every move you make from now until you're better than the Chiefs has to be made with the idea of how do we possibly compete with Patrick Mahomes. And it's why I said you should drop everything – and, and build everything you're doing around Kyler Murray to give yourself the best chance of going punch for punch with, with Patrick Mahomes. Because in my opinion, he was as, as electric 
of a player as we've seen in a while and comparable in terms of his electricity. Now, obviously, it's going to take some time for him to develop to become that player. And, you know, you want to start seeing that next year. But whoever the next guy is, in my opinion, everything you do has to try to be a counter to what they're doing with Mahomes. I agree. And that's because you're dealing with him for the next 15 years. At least. That's That's the standard. The Broncos are finding out how the rest of the AFC West felt when John Elway was Denver's quarterback. You know what's you know who screams electric to John Elway? Who? Justin Herbert. No. <laughs> no. I'd rather have Jake Fromm. I would rather have anyone. I'd rather have Drew Locke. The good thing is maybe if we just keep pounding down Justin Herbert, maybe he'll actually be good <laughs> because hat tip to Daniel Jones. Oh man. <laughs> you know, here's who the knew? thing is we've been right about most of the guys we liked. Yeah. We've just been wrong about some of the guys we didn't <laughs> One like. guy each year. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and I'll tell you, though, maybe... You're 3-0, and Bills. Maybe I should have listened to David Cutcliffe when we had him on the radio a few months ago talking about Daniel Jones and how smart he was and how he expected him to pick up the system. I, I got off that interview, and I thought, man, I was not a Daniel Jones guy before. Listening to the way David Cutcliffe talked about him and his study habits and his preparation, equating him to what the Mannings were when he coached them, I thought, he, if, I, if, I, if he was trying to sell me on Daniel Jones, he did a great job. That's yeah, what but I you thought. still didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought, too, until we met him and talked to him at the senior bowl and, and then watched him practice yeah, was, yeah nothing he, was good about that week he no. didn't have yeah he wasn't the be- he wasn't even the second or third best quarterback yeah out there that week but dave gettleman was head over heels in love with daniel jones maybe he gets paid all that money for a reason <laughs> there's like people who have person like a lot of players in the league have personal issues with with gettleman like the, when the uh, Panthers were playing the Giants, was that last week? They were all like, all these players were like, oh, like I can't wait to get another shot at Gettleman. Wow, it's because he has a very brusque style in negotiations, and we've seen it manifested in the Josh Norman situation, for example. Carolina franchises him; they end up just out and out relinquishing the ta- the franchise tag and letting him walk. Uh, Steve Smith; it ended badly for him in Carolina to the point that when he went to Baltimore for 2014 and the Panthers were on the schedule, it was his famous quote, there are going to be blood and guts everywhere on that field. (laughs) But the thing with Dave Gettleman, in his defense, I can address his period in Carolina in particular. He was asked to come in and clean up a terrible salary cap situation that was in part created by their now former owner, Jerry Richardson, who in a fit of madness instructed then GM and now current GM, Marty Herney, to give players, give veteran players a slew of big contracts after the 2011 lockout. When they were coming off a 2-14 and season, it's really, you know, really illogical. You're going to pay all this money to keep the guts of a 2-14 and team together. That was the theme of the Panthers in the early 2010s. So in the middle of the 2012 season, 
He fires Marty Herney as GM for basically doing what he asked him to do and hires Dave Gettleman. And Dave Gettleman is given the instruction, get our salary cap in order, even if you have to be a hard ass. And he was. And it ticked a lot of players off. Let's yep. hope to the high heavens we are not talking about paying a lot of these players on a 2-14 and 14 oh, Broncos geez. team. And that was Mace's history lesson of the day, <laughs> which is brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. <laughs> and actually, during that, I had time to run down to the local liquor store and grab me a six-pack of Colorado Core. That, which was is, more, well, that was more than you wanted to hear about the history of the uh, Panthers GM? I, I thought it was good. I, yes. I, like to, I always learn something new every day on this podcast. Um, and you should try something new uh, when it relates to Breckenridge Brewery because the strawberry sky is amazing. We know that. But their latest creation is called Colorado Core, and I have described it to folks as a mix between an ale, a champagne, and a cider. Mm. It's like nothing I've ever tasted before, but it has the, the dry bubbliness of a champagne, the, the appleness of a cider, and the, I guess, slight twinge of bitterness of an ale. Yes. It screams fall celebration. Yeah, it's it's great. It's super drinkable. Um, it's also like usually when you have these beers that involve fruit, um, they're sweet and sugary. They brewed it in a fashion that actually made it uh, took all the gluten out of it. So it's a bit more of a guilt free sweeter beer. It's good stuff. A gluten-free beer. I like that. It, uh, they close, don't declare it gluten-free. Close to gluten Gluten-reduced, I think, is what they call it. So uh, make Ray sure you... Very refreshing. Yeah, make sure you check it out. It's super refreshing and definitely a good little tailgate beer because you can drink quite a few of them, I can attest. What happens if you do drink quite a few of them, Ryan? Well, then you need to hit up Vita Mobile <laughs> IV. Um, uh, there's a video out there online of me experiencing this. and Quite a famous person's in the video. It's, it's me. It's you. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the star of the video. But if you guys remember at the draft party, we drank a lot of Breckenridge beers um, and even mm -hmm. some other harder spirits. Uh, and the next day, the good folks at Vita Mobile IV came through my house, hooked me up to an IV, let me watch football on the TV while it all happened, and... Uh, helped me recover, and I and I'm being dead serious with you guys when I say I was about, I was about a I was feeling about a four out of ten when I woke up, <laughs> not great. <laughs> By the time they left, I was probably a nine, and then I ate some food right after that, and I was up to a ten. Yep, like, I, I was getting like 15 minute updates from you, and what was it? It seemed like it was half an hour to go from a four to a nine. Yep, that was quick. Yeah, it was awesome. So make sure you check out Vita Mobile IV. They will literally come to your house and give you an IV and hydrate your body, and you'll feel great afterwards. And if you use the promo code HYD20, you can save 20% off. So pretty sweet setup there. All right, well, we promised ourselves that we would have a short first segment before getting <laughs> to 50 comments from you guys. Woo! But we failed in the first regard. So we still have lots of comments. We'll try to be efficient. Let's get it rolling. First one coming in from Count Flacula says, Well, as Poe once wrote, no one should brave the underworld alone. Therefore, I'll be sharing my despair with a six-pack of Strawberry Sky that I finally got a hold of after months of scouring the Big Sky State's liquor stores. I was hoping to be drinking them figuratively from the skulls of our vanquished enemies. 
But alas, our fortunes are not such. Let the rebuilding begin. Cheers, gents. Love the count. I have to say this. If you're drinking out of the skulls, I mean, you've got the holes, you know, for the <laughs> eyes and all that. I mean, that it's going to be kind of like a colander, wouldn't you think? Yeah, maybe you just have to use, like, the round part, and now it's more of like a ladle. Yes. Like you just and then you just, every time you, you just pour another sip in, and then... Yes. Yeah. All right. Ladle it in. <laughs> Sir James Radio. Before we get too bogged down by all the negative, allow me to be one tiny... Shimmering light in the darkness of this dreary woe and despair. No. <laughs> I love all the big words that everyone uses all of a sudden. It's like a Mace effect. <laughs> yeah, it really is the Mace effect. Today, we saw flashes of the 2018 summer camp Sutton. He looked good. Need to involve him much more. Freeman carried about 12 men with him, 10 yards. Phil did fill things. No holds on Garrett Bowles and Dalton Reisner had what may have been the first player in NFL history to assist on a touchdown with an arm drag that would make Ricky the Dragon Steamboat proud. Use more pistol formation. I can't stand it, but it'd be a great fit for this team and employing more two-back splits with Phil and Royce. The team didn't really play poorly and hung in there with a good Packers team. All is not lost in Broncos country. And that's a lot of what we've talked about is like, it's not all bad, but you just have to take what you have in this in this young core and use that as the foundation for your rebuild. The Broncos should have lost by way more than 11 points, having six sacks, three turnovers, and zero of those for, for their side. Yep. From Ozzy, I'm really not upset by this loss. Maybe I've just become numb to losing. But I feel like if we take the turnovers away, we played well. We just continuously shot ourselves in the foot. I think Rich is starting to find his groove as a play caller, and despite a lack of sacks and turnovers, the defense gave Rodgers fits. If the Broncos fall at home to the Jags, then it's definitely time to hit that rebuild button and start looking at moving on from some veterans. Let Vic and his staff build this team from the ground up because it seems like the losing mentality of the previous seasons is what's preventing this team from making significant strides. Do you feel that is the case, or am I just losing my mind? Thanks for the great coverage, as always. The only thing I think you're losing your mind about is waiting until this week to decide if you really need a rebuild. Well, you could argue with the way young players are playing, if you want to view it properly, they've already been a rebuild. Yeah. Now, you don't have the most important part resolved, and that's the quarterback, but you've gotten the, the ability to identify players that are going to help you long term. The, the other thing that's not rebuildy about it is they haven't started um, gathering assets in terms of mm-hmm. draft assets. Right. That's the next step. Like, if they do that and they still say they're not rebuilding, well, we know they're just lying. Mm-hmm. But they, you have to start, you know, to truly rebuild, you have to start saying, we will, we'll give away this current thing that's good for the hopes of something that will be younger and better later i heard members in the media room today saying well you know they can win their next three they may have they may have a win a winning record by the time the bye comes around I'm just, wow what world are we living in here i think they'll win two of their next three then the problem is i think they'll win they'll lose the next two out beyond that and be two and six at the mid-season point there you go Next one coming in from Mike Wilkinson, 007. He says, well, guys, the season is over. At least as far as winning anything beyond a few meaningless games. I will say this. I called Flacco Orton 2.0 when he signed. I'd like to retract that statement. He's been pretty good so far. Agree? Final thought. We are now Cleveland Browns of the NFL. Revolving door at coach and quarterback. Bad drafts, first round bust. The Browncos, if you will. Thanks for the great show and content. Go Broncos. All right. He said go Browncos. Go Browncos. Wow. That's pretty good. Um, uh, pretty Kyle Orton wasn't statistically bad while he was a Bronco. 
I mean, actually, I'm looking back at his 2009 season, for example. A6.8 rating. 2010, 87.5. And what's Flacco right now? 87.4? Yeah, here's the thing about Orton. is Orton came after uh, Cutler, which as soon as that happened, he was doomed. Like, there's nothing he could do that would be good enough. And also, before that, Jake the Snake. Like, they were still on a good... String, string of quarterback play when that happened. And the other thing that was the case with Kyle Orton in some high-leverage situations didn't always deliver. I'm thinking back to this was actually one of his last starts, 2011, when they go out to Tennessee, and the Titans have taken the lead. He's got a chance to drive him downfield and just misfires on a couple of passes. The comeback drive at the end goes askew. I would have much more confidence in Joe Flacco in that sort of situation than but I would have had in Kyle Wharton back in the day. I'll say this. I, uh, I'm i not in a defending Flacco mood after yesterday mm-hmm. just because all three turnovers – no, two of the three turnovers were on him, mm-hmm. um, and that's what lost them the game. Yeah, true. Mr. Freeze, burn it all down. Lindsay and Reisner seem to be the only players playing with real heart. Oh, okay. Uh, the next one comes in from Sunny Rain, and uh, – should, am I gonna sing it? Uh, do you want to? Do you want to want to duet it? Let's do it. All right. You want you want to get in on? You, do you know the cadence of this? No, I'm just gonna lean back and listen. It's like a, a coach that doesn't know the fight song when he gets to the school. Right. Ready? All right. One, two, three. Broncos country is groaning in the south stands. Eating edibles from mile high, sleeping right past the weekend. Slugging a perfect stranger, the drama has no end. Having to time, having to do time till the orange and blue W-I-N. But tuning in any way with the good folks down at BSN. That was really impressive, I must say, by Sunny Rain. Yes, that is a, what we would call a parody parody uh, intro. Yep. Maybe we need um, Pleasure Horse to remake it for us. <laughs> Mace, how would you grade our performance? You guys were at two different octaves there. It was a little bit rough. Maybe it was, it was a, intentional. Yeah, yeah. What, we're, um, we were trying to do like the two parts of a quartet. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you an A for effort. All right, hey, we'll, we'll take Just that. like Vic. I think he gave his players an A for effort. Yeah, he said they're trying their butts <laughs> off. I'd say we tried our butts off there. I think so. <laughs> Here from Broncos Brit 73. We may have lost, and there were signs of stupid mistakes by both sides of the line. But look on the bright side. We showed some glimmers of good play. We had most of the time of possession, and the running game was okay. Plus, no holding penalties from Garrett Bowles. And the call on Sanders was never a holding call. That is no excuse, but if that touchdown stood, I reckon the game would look different. Sorry for the long comment, but great pods, guys. Please get Breck Brews over the pond. I know a lot of us Broncos fans here would love to try them. We'd love to hook you up with some. Maybe you just have to visit. Yeah, come visit us. And that's exactly what I wrote about yesterday. It's like you walk away from a game where the Broncos scored 16 points and lost by 11, and you were like, oh, yeah. Not bad. Right. Exactly. That's the standards problem. have dropped. Right. right. Exactly. Significantly. Next one coming in from Chris O'Brien says, I feel like we've actually gotten a little better every game, which is encouraging. The next three games are against the Jags at home, Chargers on the road, and Titans at home. I think those games are pretty even matchups as of today. And if we keep improving, I think we'll have a shot to win all three. There we go. That puts us at three and three. I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm not totally out on the season just yet. 
sticking with my boys till the end. Go Broncos. Well, here's the thing, though. What gives you any encouragement? They should have beat the Raiders, too, right? Especially now that you look at the Raiders, and the Raiders appear to be the Raiders who we thought they were. The Raiders are bad. The Raiders look like a good team when the Broncos played them. So don't, when, when you're projecting, don't lose sight of who the Broncos also yeah, are. Do whatever you want. If you want to have hope, that's fine. I, I'm not going to hate on anyone for having hope. But it's true that the Broncos are averaging 15.3 points per game, and that's just not going to beat anyone. That seems unfathomable in this offensive-centric era of That's football. what I said to Zach yesterday. Yeah. It's like they're like, playing a different sport than everybody else. <laughs> different rules. I was like, Zach, this is the offensive era. Like, everyone complains about how the rules are slanted towards the offense and the quarterbacks are babied. and all. That's what everyone's complaining about. And meanwhile, the, Bro- the Broncos haven't scored 20 points in a game since last fall. I've got some era-adjusted <sighs> metrics I've been working on to basically get cross-era comparisons for passer rating, points per game, et cetera. I may have to uh, work a little feverishly on them today and tomorrow to kind of show just where this offense is stacking up. It won't be pretty. Like, oh, you're going to end boy. up saying, like, and if this was in the, fo- the football's version of the dead ball era, the Broncos they- would be averaging negative <laughs> 0.7 points per game. It wouldn't be that bad, but it wouldn't be good either. <laughs> Kirk Smith, 44. We effing suck. <laughs> Flacco holds on to the ball too long. How do we not have a sack with Vaughn and Chubb off the edge? We have four turnovers on the season, which means, let me check, yep, we're negative four in the turnover battle. Let the Drew Locke experience begin soon, please. Oh, wait, Elway drafted him, which means the odds are already stacked against him because if Elway thinks you're good, then you probably aren't. We have about five above-average players on the roster. Two were picked in the top five. Hard to screw that up. One is a stud of a left guard. I'll give John that. Two fell to him as undrafted free agents. By the way, one of which he won't pay what he deserves but instead, hand out money to Creek Jackson, who got burned on the first TD today. Last I checked, Chris Harris is still a mother-effing beast. Extend the man. The cap goes up $10 million a year. Just pay him. Other than that, pretty much every player on the roster is below average in the league. Can't wait for the future. I'm sure Elway will do something like try to trade for Cam Newton in the offseason for more headaches. Like I started this post, I'll end it the same way. We effing suck. <laughs> <laughs> Just as uh, Chris O'Brien tries to bring the positivity in, we have uh, Kirk Smith coming in with a, a little opposite view. Whoa! <sighs> yeah, please. If they trade, actually, if they trade for Cam Newton, I'm, I'm out. You, you already said that about Kirk about Case Keenum. Did I? <laughs> yeah. I was right. I have to. I always do this. I have to remember my initial feelings on things. Those right. are normally right. Yep. Actually, it wouldn't be Cam Newton to be trying to get Andrew Luck out of retirement. Mm, I'm on board for that. I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like, like remember the first time you heard the name Case Keenum and the Broncos? Whatever you felt then, it was right. And then remember the first time you heard Joe Flacco was getting traded to the Broncos? The what you felt in that second was probably right. And when I heard when I heard the Broncos drafted Drew Locke, Mm. I had a good feeling. Yes, I had a good feeling. But with Case Keenum and Joe Flacco. My reaction was the same. Why? <laughs> yes. They're just boring. Did Case average. play well this week? Or did they play on tonight? Tonight. Great against Monday the Bears defense. <laughs> oh, God. Good thing I'm going to a concert. Really? I'm going to go check out the Mission Ballroom for the first time. Oh, you're going to Maggie Rogers? Maggie Rogers. Mm-hmm. I am. Pretty much everyone in my family, but I will be there. Really? So enjoy enjoy the... Uh, did this- you just get left out? Left out? Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> 
<laughs> my girlfriend's a big fan, so I, mm. I got this as a birthday present long ago. Mm. It's been uh, a big lead up. You got it for her? Yes. Smart man. Yep. Uh, there's one thing I can do right. Um, <laughs> all right, next one's from the original Mario. So I'm not a fan of this current state the Broncos are in. Really? Because all of us are loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Discussing trade requests, thinking in the future, although I love 2020's draft class. But by the end of the season, do we see, see Vic backing down as head coach and coach from the booth? Also, why is everyone blaming John Elway for individual losses? Is he a coach all of a sudden? I get he built this team, but I don't get why fans are blaming individual losses on Elway. Well, Zach, I was listening to our podcast yesterday, and I blamed the loss on Elway. <laughs> and, and so I'll answer that for you, the original Mario. When I left the game, I thought, well, Joe Flacco didn't play terrible. I mean, he still completed 70% of his passes, and, uh, you know, Philip Lindsay had a good game, and Cortland Sutton played well. And I went through all these things, and I'm like – it's not Vic Fangio's fault they lost. And I just come back to the fact that they lost because the team just isn't very good. And that's why it goes on John Elway. Bingo. It's bigger than one game. Talent's not there, right? Right. And to your other point or your other question about Vic backing down his head coach, I imagine you're saying he's going to demote himself to N- defensive coordinator? No, no, I think he's just saying deciding to co- like backing down to the idea of coaching from the booth. Mm. I want to see that at this point. I think if it keeps going down this route, it will be – this season at some point and maybe it's where the writing is so on the wall you're you're two and 12 and Vic says let me just try it I don't think it'll have to get that bad I think I think actually if they lose this game the Charger game might be a good opportunity to shake it up and see and find out where yeah, you booth can still, that high yeah, there. You can still <laughs> yell down to your your team yeah exactly I mean just yeah he can yell something if he wants to I mean yeah, uh, we were with Brandon Spano yesterday, and he was very against that, saying, like, he needs to coach his team. Right. And and I just said, he doesn't really do much of that. Like, if you watch him on the sidelines, he's not someone who's going to go say a lot. No. And he even talks about that. He's like, I don't, I don't talk to him much during practice. You know, the coaching is done in the meeting rooms and uh, on the sidelines of practice – but Vic isn't one out there like yelling and screaming instructions. He's not going to go Doug Marone, uh, Jalen Ramsey to Chris Harris Jr. No, no. you kind of did a doomsday thing there, though, Zach. Saying if they're two and twelve, <laughs> if they're two, I thought and, that was an optimistic look. <laughs> yeah, if they're two, <laughs> two and twelve, they we're not talking about whether he's going to the booth or not. We're talking about whether he's one and done. Ooh, oh, they can't do boy. that. I, I think they go 0 and 16, and he's not getting fired. Oh, I, I think there's a level of poor play, and I don't think they're going to get there. Look, this is an 0 and 3 team. Like you guys said, it's the best winless team. Stop. Stop. <laughs> no, don't, it doesn't. Don't tell me that. It's no, true. It's, it's true. Just... This is more. This is not. This is a garden variety, below average team. This is not an abominable team unless you have. A wave of injuries and everything just falls apart. We love five and eleven, six and ten around here. Mm. Welcome in another one. Next one coming in from DJC15. He says, "Well, after the game, I'm officially behind the Drew Lock era, beginning in Week Nine. Flacco's whole body language just looks like he doesn't care. You can't have that in a quarterback. You also can't have a non-semi-mobile quarterback in the NFL anymore. 
Defenses are too fast and too good that you don't have time to get through all your reads. Rarely can you get to your third read before someone is getting close to you. You need a quarterback who has the, abil- who has the ability to an extend a play. Flacco has the worst pocket awareness right now. You need a vocal leader and playmaker at quarterback in this era of football from Mahomes, Allen, Goff, etc. That's what the NFL is now, and Elway has to wake up and swallow his pride and come to terms with that. Also, also, my, I need to publicly apologize to FedEx Bronco for advising him to start Freeman over Lindsay today after watching the last two weeks. LOL, my bad. I want to go back to what you said at the beginning. Um, the body language thing and the no, uh, non-mobile. Look at what happened with Daniel Jones yesterday. He came in. He was excited to play. He was celebrating with his teammates after touchdowns. It's the opposite of Eli Manning. And also, he can move around a little bit, which is the opposite of Eli Manning. You have to watch that and think, man, it'd be nice to see Drew Locke play right now. Is it just me or the energy and the body language is part of what makes a quarterback look right in a uniform if he changes teams or look wrong? Like, I look at Joe Flacco out there. He just doesn't look right in a Bronco uniform. But but Peyton Manning looks fine. Right. Well, how, how about Maybe this? it's just whether or not they're good. <laughs> Remember when the Broncos were so good that people just wanted to find some negatives and some people were getting on Peyton for not having that fire when, when he threw an interception, for not having the fire and running down the field. We were talking about whether or not this man was wearing a glove. <laughs> no, yeah. That right. was a big debate of the week. And Every people... game I'd get to in the press box and I'd look down, okay, does he have the glove on? It was always <laughs> the first thing you would look for. One thing I do hope out of this world of suck in which the Broncos find themselves and the fan I hope the fans when this team gets out of this world of suck that the fans have a better appreciation for the good times than during the Peyton Manning era where they would literally sometimes boo the team against Jacksonville in 2013 because they weren't up by enough booing the team going to halftime and as I wrote in my story yesterday, if they had 14 points going into halftime on Sunday, as they did in that mm-hmm. year in 2013, they might get a standing ovation. Yep. <laughs> They'd be on pace for 28. Imagine seeing 28 points. Four touchdowns in one game? I don't know what that, that looks po- like. Is that possible anymore? Oh, man. I was reading oh, some old CU Buffs history today, and I uh, that's just a thing that I do sometimes. <laughs> and I was reading about their first season in 1890. Uh, touchdowns were worth four points back then. And I was like, wow, that's what it feels like for the Broncos right now. Wow. Like, like it, even their touchdowns are just not even worth as much. They would have had four touchdowns yesterday. Yeah, yeah, they'd be averaging about eight <laughs> points a game right now. And here I was thinking you were looking back at low points and you were reflecting on losing a Drake. Well, no, I was looking oh, back further to um, when they lost to the Colorado School of Mines in their first season, 103-0. to zero. Wow. And remember, and, wait, and the touchdowns, touchdowns were only worth four points. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Reminds me of uh, the New England Patriots of 2019. Yes. Yeah, that's basically what they're doing. Anyways. Let's move on. I don't know how we got there, but anyway. I'll move on. The next one's from Aquaman. He says, so far, the only good thing to happen this season is Mace joining BSN. Yes, that was <laughs> a highlight. Make All the- downhill from there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it makes the coverage and podcast so much better, and it was damn good to begin with. Von's lack of sacks due to game planning, double teams, or is he just slowing down? Ooh, all um, the above. Oppo- yeah, opponent game planning definitely, definitely involving the quick throws. We're still seeing that. Aaron Rodgers 
did on Sunday what he's been doing for a good chunk of the last two years, trying to get the ball out fast. And if the read isn't there, the receiver isn't there, throwing it away. We saw some worm, some little sidearm worm burners from him just to get rid of the ball and go on to the next play. And he was extra diligent about that yesterday. He was literally like – it was almost like he was a one-read quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just like, oh, first read's not there. Throw it away. The it best, sounds, it sounds, best chance for the sack was when Adam Gotts had a, had a read on him. He yep. just kind of sidestepped and whoop. It's yep. silly, but the game plan for Rodgers yesterday was get the ball out quick enough. It wasn't like the Raiders where it's get the ball out quick, quick, quick. It was just quick enough, and that seemed simple enough. I think Gardner Minshew could probably do that. Well, the thing was is they didn't just run short routes. So the idea was we're not going to only run short routes. You can look downfield, but if it's not there, just throw it away. Right. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Mr. Undrafted, what are the chances we change the offensive lineup? It's not like they can let any more sacks happen. Also, is there anyone you guys would trade or trade for? I don't see a change on the offensive line because There's you, no options. You, yeah. You, Jake Rogers? No, that's not an option. Austin Schlotman may have to play at some point on the interior, but that's not an option you want to turn to. And actually, from guard to guard, you're okay with where the offensive line stands right now. And but there are no, yeah, tackles with Juwan James injured. No options there. You're stuck with this. Even when Juwan James is back, the easy answer to replace Garrett Bowles is Elijah Wilkinson. Elijah was giving up sacks left and right yesterday. He so that's, he, he's. He's not, like, a great answer. There's always this idea that it couldn't get worse <laughs> until you see it, and then it's worse. Well, we saw Jake Rogers in the summer if he got thrown out there. Like, I, I remember Pray when Pray for Joe Flacco, and I'm not a religious man. Right. Like, <laughs> like, I remember when I was covering CU during some of Sefa Lufau's bad seasons, and people were just like, you got to bench him. Like, the guy behind him couldn't be any worse. And then the guy played, and he was terrible, and everyone realized, oh, Sefa wasn't that bad. Yep. <laughs> yep. Next one coming in from Oklahoma Bronco 58. He says the defensive woes, in my opinion, are entirely coaching. Vaughn has been a top three pass rusher consistently his entire career. A guy that does that that good doesn't hit a wall that fast when he had 15 sacks a year before. And Chubb is also one of the best pass rushers in the game. So it baffles me that we're unable to generate sacks. Also, I'm so ready for Drew Locke train to hit the tracks because Joe Flacco has no fire and it's hard to watch. Drew's persona is just the type of attitude and energy this team needs. At least I've got the Sooners to keep me sane in the dark ages of the Broncos. Something I was thinking about regarding Drew Locke today, if he goes out there, you do have this generation gap in the locker room. And is it not for the best if the team is struggling when he comes back from IR to get him out there and let him begin growing as a leader? of this young core because those guys are going to be who gets you out of this, not the old pros. Right. Look at the offense. The offense is entirely young players other than Emmanuel Sanders. Like the future here is Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Cortland Sutton, Dalton Reisner. Let them grow together. Dalton's literally going to be carrying you to touchdowns. (laughs) That was so awesome. Also against the rules, Mace. Was that, was that, are you allowed to pull someone into the end zone? I thought you were only allowed to push someone into the end zone. <laughs> I think you can't lift a so, guy yeah. over. 
Because <laughs> I was saying, like, that should just be the offense at this point. Just have uh, Phil run into Dalton's arms and just drag him into the end zone. Well, I loved how Dalton was the first to celebrate because that was basically his touchdown. Yep. Yep. I feel he like should have been spiking the ball. He I, yeah, like, uh, since he was carrying Phil... Like, technically, he was carrying the ball. I think he should get credit for he the He was touchdown. the ball carrier. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad that Lance Ball isn't on this team still, because if he or Monte Ball, because if he'd done that for one of those guys, he could have literally been the ball carrier. <laughs> right. Or Lucille Ball, for all I care. <laughs> or Ball, Ener- ball Aerospace? Yes, that's a company. Ball Jars. <laughs> yes, yes, there we go. Um, where are we here? Oklahoma Bronco. 58 from Oklahoma Bronco 58. The defensive woes, in my opinion, are entirely coaching. Vaughn I just is, read that one. Oh, oh wait, I think. Yep. Okay. Uh, H town. The season is a lost cause. Mace, we're all living in a world of suck. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> Signing free agents to big deals for them uh, to be inactive. That's what the Broncos have become. Can't score more than 16 points. Can't do a lot of things. What is he referencing there? Bryce Callahan. Mm. Well, he's hurt. He's hurt. Yeah, he's injured. But the problem is, it's the foot that's been bothering him since last year. Yeah, and it's it's a problem. It's not a just a little thing. Um, he says, "I'm just waiting for Drew Lockmas now." Is that is that what we're go- Is that the best <laughs> we can do? <laughs> Drew Lockivus. Unfortunately, uh, I hope it's sooner. I hope it's Thanksgiving. Thanks. Drew Locksgiving. Drew Locksgiving. Lock- Locksgiving. That's not bad. Locksgiving. <laughs> Better than Lockaween. Ooh. I Lock- would really like Lockaween. I just don't think that's going to happen. That means it would come earlier. Oh. Or, or Lockuka. Get yeah. your candy early. Lock- Loxa. That's Kwanzaa. <laughs> Lockentine's Day. <laughs> oh, we better not be waiting that long. Well, that's going to be after the season. So. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I guess we're going with. Lock, I, I like Lock's giving yeah. works. <laughs> <laughs> Time to blow the team up. Mostly the front office, uh, but that probably just won't happen. In four years, we went from the best football team on the planet and winning the biggest game ever to the freaking laughing stock of the NFL. Broncos with the longest losing streak in the NFL. Hell has frozen over. Oh, well, I'm confident the Broncos will be good again before I die. <laughs> At this point, that's all I can hope for. It'll make it much sweeter knowing that we will survive this horrific nightmare that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemies. And Love Thunder Down Under says, yeah, but how old are you, bro? <laughs> well, we've come to terms with the fact that Iceman, who's in his 60s, is our oldest listener. So, and I think the Broncos will even be better before <laughs> we lose him. So, Count Flacula. Shaq Barrett has eight times the amount of sacks as our entire team. Actually, no. He has infinity more sacks than the entire Broncos. If the Bron- Broncos had one sack, then Shaq Barrett would have eight times as many sacks. So it says, am I the only one who finds this quizzical? And then we have the answers saying... Not Philip Lindsay, our, uh, our yeah. high school friend and, and chimes lo- in to help us out with the math. And Love Thunder Down Under points out the infinity. Mathematically, he is measurably better. Can't believe the Broncos didn't keep him in Sue's and so on and so forth. Deep arcade groans of yes it's not that the broncos didn't keep him it's that he knew he was worth more than what he was what was happening for him here and he bet on himself he said i want to go start somewhere and now he's going to make a whole bunch of money and i'm really happy he always said he wanted to stay but he also wanted but he wanted to start and starting was the priority for him and if he stays healthy this stretch alone 
ensures that even if he doesn't have any more sacks this season, he'll keep getting paid for a few years. He's a $10 million man already. If you want to blame the Broncos, you have to blame them for their future planning before they drafted Bradley Chubb, but not this past year. And a lot of people came in my mentions, and I simply didn't have the energy to tell them, you're right. (laughs) Uh, But everyone was like, well, they should have drafted Josh Allen. Or Quentin Nelson. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, I saw that a bunch. And it's like, you're right. I'm not going to argue with that. Right. On that. I didn't. I really just didn't have the energy to respond to every person being like, yes, that's right. correct. Right. And I saw more national people today saying, the Broncos let him walk for peanuts this year. <laughs> Honestly, the, uh, any team that isn't the Broncos that isn't getting pass rush, they should be mad. Right. That their team didn't sign Shaq Barrett for one year, $5 million. Yep. Um, from Lone Star Bronco, this team needs fire, desire, and urgency. This team needs Drew Locke. He may not be the answer, but I feel he has the want to. This team currently doesn't. I'm pretty sure someone could walk up and stab Joe Flacco, and he would shrug it off and walk to an ambulance slowly. <laughs> wow. And that's what we heard, guys. And Because I've talked to a few Broncos fans this morning about this. We heard before the season started, when things are good, Joe's going to be Joe. When things are bad, Joe's going to be Joe. They knew this is what they were getting, and he's being Joe. All right, here's my problem though. As the Broncos have just been stabbed and they are trailing by 11 points with 5 minutes left in their lives as they're bleeding out onto the field, I need to see a little bit of urgency to the ambulance. Uh, he doesn't really care though. He's just he's walking there. He's he's taking I'm, his time. It's I, on Joe's time. I'm very not okay with that. <laughs> I don't care if if you're happy or sad when things are going bad, but I need to see you run to the line of scrimmage when your team needs two scores in five minutes. That just makes too much sense. Goodness gracious. Next one coming in from Illinois Broncos. He says, honestly, not even upset with the loss. I'm just blown away that after three games, we have zero takeaways, zero interceptions, and zero sacks. I'm getting worried we're going to start having players demand for trades, considering that seems to be the norm in the NFL now. Emmanuel Sanders yesterday in the locker room did not sound like somebody who wanted to be with a team. Yeah, but if he had 10 catches for 114 yards, he wouldn't have cared. <laughs> right, exactly. But he, was, he, was, he had a smile after 11 catches last week. Yes, he did. Yes. In it's a heartbreaking about, loss. It's all about getting the ball, right? So if you want him to want to be here, just make sure you throw the ball at him. Yep. And if you want him to want to demand a trade, then just don't throw to him. <laughs> but what are you more invested in as a team, getting him the ball with an expiring contract or getting Cortland Sutton, Sean Hamilton the ball, maybe even Juwan Winfrey? Juwan Winfrey, by the way, was out there at the end of the game on that last series. He was. Yes. I didn't catch that. Not Emmanuel Sanders. He didn't catch it either, but. Oh. <laughs> oh. Whoa. Well, I don't think he had an opportunity to. They didn't throw it in his direction. Yeah, come on, Zach. Yeah, but he still didn't catch it. By the way. He didn't um, catch anything. Some of those passes, the ones that did get out before Joe Flacco got s- sacked on those last couple of drives, I want to see some. Deep shots. I, I didn't feel urgency. Don't get me started on We're down two <laughs> scores. Don't get With like started. four minutes to go. I didn't. I, I, I just felt like they were conducting themselves as if they had plenty of time. Felt like they were okay with keeping it within 11. It was, a, it was Andy Reid level of play calling when down two scores in the fourth quarter. If I was alone. And again, like. I'm not even as emotionally invested as the people listening to this podcast. If I was sitting here on this couch alone, I would have been yelling at the TV. Mm-hmm. Like, what yes. is wrong with you people? Yep. That was... 
I don't even, I don't want to go down that road. I save it for the text because I'm on a, a couple of text chains that go back a few years. And uh, I can tell you there are a great deal more obscenities from me in <laughs> those text chains than, than I would ever say. say. Yes. Mace Unchained podcast. Let's go. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it's a little bit like that. All right, from True Champ Fan 24, my overreaction. Skanks needs to figure this out now. There's no time for waiting around in the NFL, not for long. We are all familiar with that saying, get to it or get gone. Can't be mad at the poker player. He didn't hold today. <laughs> no one to blame today except Elway. Mm, yep, a lot, mm. of, a lot of people coming after Elway. Next one from Iceman says, hey, boys, two-plus years, Joseph and Fangio eras, 11-24. and 24. The only thing we know for sure, no one will be fired. Previous two years, Kubiak era, 21-11, and 11, both winning seasons, and he won Super Bowl 50 with the Manning that was on his last leg and went 9-7 and seven with the seventh-round quarterback, Trevor Simeon. Shades of Tebow time. A shout-out to Brock for assisting in the Super Bowl winning season. Oh, truly, how the mighty have fallen. Scoring 15 points per game and giving up 22 points per game means we are losing by an average of a touchdown and an extra point every game. To insinuate the O played OK in any of the games means someone is living on fantasy land. Sanders is spot on. Denver is living in a world of suck. With 372 (laughs) exclamation points. You know, I'm looking at this post and I'm wondering, are there more exclamation points or more points scored by the Broncos this year? Oh, there's more exclamation points simply on the last word than there are points scored by the Broncos. You want to know one of the hardest things to do is count exclamation points. Mace is trying to do it right now. My girlfriend was trying to tally something and she used exclamation points and then she's having to screenshot it to be able to zoom in and count. I'm like, why did we do this? Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm looking at this and my eyes are glazing over. Well, I can't do it. I'm just going to move on to a if you not. Need, if you need tallies, just do capital I's with two spaces in between them. Mm, there we go. Yeah. Smart thinker. I'm going on not Philip Lindsay because I can't read these exclamation points. I get it, guys. We're mad. I'm mad. You three are mad. Broncos country is mad. But this season should be an eye-opener for John Elway, and it should tell him that something has to change. We have a few bright spots, and I think that next year can really be a big year. Hopefully Elway can do amazing in the draft again. The Drew Locke show will be up and running, and we'll have a great season. One final thing I'd like to mention is how good Connor McGovern has been. Smacks wood with head. Ooh, Mason not actually wood. just did that. <laughs> Is that ceramic or wood, though? So it's, it's supposed to look like wood. <laughs> yes. Not one bad snap. Be optimistic, guys. Mark my words. This will be the last bad season for a while. I like your optimism. I salute your optimism. I, I don't know. Let me ask you guys this. Will the Broncos win another playoff game under John Elway? Yes. I think so. Not very confident, but I think so. It all just comes down to how long you think John's going to stay around because they, they can't miss the playoffs forever. What the, it really comes down to is Drew Locke. It does. You know? It does. Or if it's not Drew Locke and they figure that out this year and they draft a quarterback in the first round next year, then who's that guy? I don't think that's going to happen. What about the fact that you're looking at a big lockout in 2021? Big lockout. Uh, no. With the CBA. <laughs> does John Elway want to stick around through that? Mm. 
why does John Elway want to do this in the first place? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think at this point he he's honestly still doing it to try and reclaim his legacy. I'll give you an example of why he's sticking with it. Hall of Famer Tom Landry coached the Cowboys for the first 29 years of their existence, 1960 through 1988. The team was down at the end. They started as an expansions team. They were terrible early, but then they go on a long run over two decades of consecutive winning seasons until they go 7-9 um, and nine in 1986. Then they go 7-8 and eight in the strike short in 87 season, 3-13 and 13 in 88. But they have the number one overall pick. They already know in January of that year they're going to pick Troy Aikman. So while Jimmy Johnson would end up picking Troy Aikman, that was a decision that even Tom Landry had made and been a part of. And he was under a lot of pressure because of three straight losing seasons. Oh, the game has passed him, blah, 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 blah. And after Jerry Jones bought the team, of course, his first act was to fire Tom Landry and hire Jimmy Johnson. One thing that Tom Landry said when he was fired was that, I don't want to leave the Cowboys when they're down. He wanted to get them back up and competing again and then walk away. He, Gilbrandt, Tex Schramm, the brain trust at the time, thought that Troy already had identified Troy Aikman as the guy that would allow them to get back on the right path. Remember, they already had Michael Irvin. They picked him in the year before. So Jimmy Johnson gets a lot of the credit, but Landry and his crew were starting to assemble the pieces of what would be those Super Bowl winning teams. So that I think that's kind of the mindset, that when you're a legend in your sport and you've had success and things are down, you believe I can get them back up and then I leave having gotten them back to a better level because in part because of your ego and in part because you really passionately care about the place you're working and the team you're a part of. And if you've ever been to Vegas, you know that feeling. <laughs> I can get it back. I can get it back. <laughs> and just roll the dice again and see what happens. Or a, a starting picture in baseball. Man, one start, I'm back in the groove. Quick question. If the Broncos turn this around, win the Super Bowl this year, does John Elway retire? Does it keep going? Uh, for sure retires. You think he does? Yes. Not what would you do? No, he for sure retires. I think so, too. I... Th- I- Mace is looking at me with this look like, how can you even think of that possibility? Right, well, that's a very (laughs) good point. Um, I just, uh, why doesn't John Elway just want to go play golf every day? Well, maybe he's already doing that. I don't know. But if I was him, I would want no pressure in my life. I get to go play golf every day and then go to the bar at Elway's at night, have some a great steak and some whiskey, and then go home at night and sleep without having to think of anything else. Do you know of any general managers giving business speeches on a Thursday in the middle of the season? Ooh. I, like he did? I don't know any general managers. But. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying he I shouldn't know, do know. that. I just thought the, the speech that he gave last week, given the timing of it all, I thought that's a little unusual. A lot of people were very upset that he went to New York uh, and was paid by that company to talk about his Vikings disease, the, the hand disease that he has. A lot of people were furious that he was doing that. But I was during the they don't, training uh, If they're mad about that. I'm yeah. just telling you, a lot of people were. Well, then they'd probably be upset. Eh, anyway. <laughs> From Jake Chris. 
So when you're talking about trading Vaughn and the cap hit being a detractor from value, isn't a lot of it signing bonus? I remember he restructured either the Keenum offseason or the Simeon offseason to get more bonus. Well, here's the the cap hits the next two years, which I think is what a team would be interested in. $25 million next year, 22.2 the following year, and this year it's a cap hit of $25 million as well. Speaking of cap, listen to these teams. I thought you were going to talk about how teams need a quarterback oh. and they can sign Vaughn Kaepernick. <laughs> no. But listen to these teams with enough cap space to sign Von Miller right now. Indianapolis, mm. Cleveland Browns, mm. Philadelphia Eagles. Um, wow, Cleveland. Buffalo, the 3-0 and Bills, your Bills. My Bills, by the way, your Browns, 1-2. and two. How do you think Von Miller would feel about going to Buffalo? He wouldn't like that, but how would he feel about going to Dallas? which has just enough cap to sign him. But do, then what are you doing do, with Dak? You'd do cartwheels the whole way there. What if you're just focused on this year? What if Jerry says, I'm all in this year? It's not a bad plan. I mean, they're undefeated, right? They have the money right now. And then there's a team option. So you could cut him. I mean, there, those are plenty. Those are. I, I'm just gonna say, I was surprised when looking at the the number of playoff teams in there that had the money right now to trade for Vaughn. How well, do these it, teams have all this cap space? I don't know, or why they do. You carry it over. Yeah, but I mean, the Broncos, the like, Broncos. Every year, I feel like it. we're like, oh, they only have like one million dollars yeah. left on the cap. So they what is interesting, anything. according to over the cap, if the Broncos do trade Vaughn Miller, seventeen and a half million dollars of cap savings this year, seven point six two five million of dead money. And what about next next year? You're, he's off the books. Yeah, that's some change to roll over. Oh man, I can't believe da- Dallas and Cleveland really surprises me. Yep, Indianapolis doesn't surprise me, and actually, Indianapolis is a place that would make a heck of a lot of sense. You pair him with Darius Leonard if if the Broncos were trading Von Miller. What about Miles Garrett and Von Miller? A and M guys. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. Cleveland and seems you a little... play with Baker, and his guy isn't OBJ his guy. But it's funny though because we were saying that about Von Miller and Bradley Chubb before this season. <laughs> oh, right. Cleveland seems kind of chaotic right now. Freddie Kitchens sucks. Admitting today that he's still learning how to call plays. Duh. That's why you don't make the in-house hire. Yeah. Especially when you have the pieces. Like yep. they hired the intern. They could have hired a legit candidate they probably could have hired anyone they wanted right bruce arian it was bruce arians was the one who they chose the kitchens over right yep mike mccarthy they didn't even couldn't really consider him even though john dorsey and him go back to green bay i mean everyone thought for a while it was gonna be mccarthy remember the, okay the draw on fourth and nine <laughs> like honestly they should have taken freddie kitchens at that moment put him into a slingshot and launched him into the sun <laughs> Would have had to be a big slingshot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's me making a weight joke. (laughs) All I'm saying is someone, uh, I saw a tweet that said since they started tracking plays, no one's ever attempted to run a draw on fourth and seven or longer. First time for everything. There's probably a reason for that, right? (laughs) They gained zero yards on the play. It didn't even fool them. Right at... Aaron Donald, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Best defensive player in football. <laughs> right. Directly into the sun. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off for him. <laughs> All right. Who's got the next one? Upstate garbage plate. I'll take it. 
That's your boy. Oh, wait, you want to take it, Zach, then? Or, or, you, oh, okay. Greetings, gentlemen. It seems as if our ship has struck the iceberg. And I, for one, will sit on the deck. Again, this is cold total breath mace. Through in my hand <laughs> as the three of you play us off. <laughs> I hope that Elway has the foresight now to announce and push forward with a rebuild. The unfortunate truth is we're two years behind Kansas City, who has what may be the most electric quarterback ever. On pace to throw for 6,000. First time ever. And 60. Man, oh, he's back on that pace, huh? Maybe, yeah, maybe he's alive. off that. They at least at halftime yesterday he was. So he's probably off that a little bit. Okay. Defensive dynasties like the Steel Curtain aren't sustainable in the modern NFL. It's unfortunate we won't be able to see if Drew Locke is an answer before the trade deadline. There's some great young talent to build upon on this team already, and it looks like the 2019 draft class is a solid one so far. Dalton Reisner is the truth. It sucks to say that this year is probably lost. If we want to be competitive for the long term, we probably have to punt 2020 as well. But if that's the case, I can say at least I look forward to this family pulling through together and the continued excellent content from you guys. Even though the losses, even through the losses, I love hearing your commentary. And since Mace quoted Mr. Joel, as in Billy Joel, I will too. You your turn s- to sing. <laughs> Just kidding. You can read it. You can get just so much from a good thing. You can linger too long in your dreams. Say goodbye to the oldies but goodies. Because the good old days weren't always good. And tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems. (laughs) Keep the faith, boys. Go Broncos. Had to build up to it. I had no idea if you actually knew the song or if you were just making it sound melodical. It's one of Billy Joel's, I think like 83 or 84 that the song came out. Keeping the faith. The music video is set in a courtroom. Oh, uh, yes. Anyway. Yeah, I would. You guys, I'm glad you took I that, do know some, I, knew, I do know me some Billy Joel. <laughs> I just I can't say I saw the music video. Can I get your rendition of how you would have sang that? No. And tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems. That's like Frank Sinatra. Yeah, I don't know. I tried. You tried. Oh, and then he says, keep the faith. Because mm, that's the song. Exactly, yes. Mm. All right. Good call, upstate garbage plate. From Carpaccio, Chris, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I really am optimistic we can turn this ship around. See, he thinks the ship can be turned around, but Upstate Garbage Play thinks they hit the iceberg. <laughs> well, I guess, is your glass half full, half empty, or is it shattered on the floor? That's where it, mine is. Or is it half submerged <laughs> like the Titanic? Yeah, what type of ship? Are we talking a little rinky-dink thing that's agile, or are we talking a big Titanic? Well, I think the Broncos have Titanic problems on their mm. hands, so... Anyways, <laughs> uh, we played two out of the best teams in the league, aside from Kansas City. No, they uh, haven't. I don't think Chicago is one of the best teams in the league. No. Let's see if they can beat Washington tonight. Yeah. Chicago um, looks like a 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight type team. They, yeah, and, I was going to say they, beat, they lost to a lower-tier team in the Raiders. A upper-middle-tier team in the Bears, and then they lost to an upper-tier team in the Packers. The Packers with that defense, that makes them legit. I think Aaron Rodgers will eventually figure things out in that offensive scheme. But if that defense stays at that level, that's a Super Bowl contender right there. Imagine you're a team who has one of the best quarterbacks in football. You haven't even found your groove on offense, and you're 3-0. Like, you're learning through wins. It's the best thing ever. Sounds like the 20. First-time coach, and you still haven't found it? Yeah. Yeah, 
Aside from the first-time coach part of it, sounds a little like the 2015 Broncos early. Peyton Manning wasn't in a group, but you were still winning games. It yep. does, and he's playing at about the pace that Peyton was playing in 2015, too. Uh, no, Peyton was not as good as Rodgers is right now. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, come on, Zach. Why don't you be honest about Aaron Rodgers for once? I've been, I've been keeping it real. 24th best quarterback in terms of QBR. Probably went up yesterday. Maybe. Speaking of... Of uh, total QBR. Oh. My guy, Steven Montez, threw up a 96 Woo. on Saturday. Congrats on the big dub. God, it was awesome. Two and one? Three and one. Three, three and one. Going yeah. into the bye week, got some injuries, got to get things settled. Uh, perfect timing. Usually you don't want it this early. They need it real bad right now. Then they uh, host Arizona at Folsom Field. Back-to-back Arizona games, huh? Yep. Wow. Yep. Anyways, go on. Trevory 13. Hey guys, first time commenting in a while. Does Mace joining qualify this pod as a super team? Yes, we are ruining the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) I think at this point, the priority should be maximizing how many dice rolls, aka draft picks, this team has in April and beyond. We can point to examples of teams who have had amazing one to two year runs of drafting, but these runs are almost never sustainable. Over a period of several years, most teams are hitting on somewhere between 20 and 30% of their draft picks. The one definitive edge you can get is having as many of these picks as possible. Wish the vets well and their legacy is secure, but bring on the youth and as much of it as possible. Yeah, um, little math here for you guys. If you hit on 20% of your draft picks, but you only have five draft picks, you only get one good player. Thank but if you, you hit on 20% of your draft picks and you have 10 draft picks, you get two good players. What would we do without you? That's what I do here. I'm the math guy. I don't need a calculator. I'll just ask you. <laughs> uh, I agree with him. Start stockpiling. And also, then you have the ability to trade up when you have more picks. Yep. yep. Dan uh, Burke, long comment, my bad. I came out of this game feeling more positive about the team. That's the problem. This game was the, easily the hardest on their schedule. KC at Arrowhead is a better overall team, but this was a non-division, non-conference team in a place where the entire franchise has never won before. Oh, and by the way, they have a Hall of Fame quarterback and defense that will end up being top 10 in most statistics by the end of the year. I'll give them top five. I could see that too. Pass rush especially. And Jair Alexander. Clamps. He is is the real deal. Could have had him. And some more picks. Yep. That's true. If... if, uh, the Browns would have just done what everyone thought they would, were going to do and drafted yep. Bradley Chubb. Yep. And they played pretty well. The offensive turnovers are an issue, although I'm crediting the Fant fumble as a better play by the defense. It actually reminded me a lot of Vaughn's fumble on Chris Carson last year, so it's all stuff that can theoretically be cleaned up. I'm honestly liking the direction of the offense, and my hope is that they can maintain some continuity with the offense moving forward. Players being in multiple systems over the years has not helped the development, and it's something that I think it's overlooked by most when it comes to evaluating the offensive struggles. Also, shout-out to Shaq Barrett for securing the bag next year. Couldn't happen <laughs> to a better guy, and I don't feel any bitterness at all toward the Broncos for letting him go. It worked out great for him, and the opportunity to shine that was not going to happen in Denver. Shrug of the shoulders. Actually, I just had a thought. Wait if the Broncos <laughs> did trade yeah. Vaughn Miller, do they try to re-sign Shaq Barrett? Shaq likes Colorado. Next year? Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. But I would think the Bucks would franchise him if they can't get something done the way he's trending right now. Yeah, when he has 35 sacks. <laughs> Besides, Florida, no state income tax. Ooh. You know, he loves Colorado. 
think he also likes Tampa, too. Well, and he's a, an East Coast guy. Yeah, he's from Maryland. Let's he has that he, Maryland accent. If he has 16 sacks, how much is he getting paid? Oh, t- 12, oh, 13 million? At, at least. least. Maybe more. more. I think he's getting 20. Well, he, the it's, sample size isn't large enough, and that's what the— I don't think they care with pass rushers. I think he'd get—if he has 16 sacks this year, I think he gets three years, 50 million, and 40 of that's guaranteed. I mean, that goes on our—we always say a million a sack. You get yeah. paid a million a sack. And that's yeah. right there at yeah. about a million a sack in yeah. terms of overall. It's a little less than—it's basically about—what uh, would that be? Do uh, the math, Ryan. Um, <laughs> 50 divided by three. It's like 15.33 or something like well, that. Well, no, it, it, but it'd be 16.67 million for one year in that deal. Yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyways, um, and if your case, it's, it's a million a sack. And if your case Keenum, it's a million a touchdown pass in Denver. <laughs> Great deal. Well, m- meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes is making like 10 cents a touchdown pass. Oh, boy. Feel bad for the guy. Oh, man. Well, the Broncos need to bounce back, and one thing that always bounces back is rubber. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, you guys know how supporting local business is in our blood, and we're excited to tell you about the Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Pause. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, the Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, uh, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. DRC, not to be confused with Dominique Rogers Camardi, it's Denver Rubber Company. They offer innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. An ISO-certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost-effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of a custom design material selection for your project or you have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call the Denver Rubber Company at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com and tell them who sent you. Speaking of DRC, yes, that is who Chris Harris Jr. compared Devontae Bosby to. It's got to just be the, lank- the, the lankiness and the number. And the athleticism. The, 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 the play on the ball, kind of suckering an opponent and throwing it into your direction, but then making a play on the ball because you react quickly. That part of it is straight out of the DRC book. I mean, the way he was breaking was really impressive. Yep, he's got the tools. He does. Next one coming in from Cleavers83 says, Starting to think I should trade my orange and blue tinting glasses in for a set of blinders, at least until we can see what Drew has to show for us, because this team is just lost. They don't know how to win. Matter of fact, they don't know how to beat themselves. I think they know that. Until they find that out, it's going to be a bunny ride. I meant to say bumpy ride, but I like bunny ride <laughs> instead. <laughs> a bunny ride. It's kind of just all over the place. I think they figured out how to beat themselves pretty well. Quite yeah. Frankly. They mm-hmm. do that. They did that yesterday. Yeah. Yep. From Super Bowl and the BSN family slash content is my breakaway from the real world. So for that said, you will not hear any negativity from me this year. We're going to hold you to that. <laughs> I loved watching us yesterday. Sutton looked incredible against a pretty good defense and boy, oh boy. Reisner just might end up being my favorite Bronco. We'll get things right on defense. I don't doubt it. Rather see them put things together on the back nine than have similar years to the last two. It'll be more important to build momentum in the next season. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Like the positive outlook, Super Bowl. The back nine. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Start talking more about the back nine. Back yeah. eight. <laughs> the back eight? Yeah. Back eight or back eight? <laughs> Hopefully one, <laughs> not the other. A back eight. Because, yeah. you know, eight games, season, half and half. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay. Or the late eight. The lock eight. Oh. What they really should be. Nice. Lindsay, MVP 2020. Hi, guys. The 2019 Rugby World Cup is currently underway in Japan. Woo-hoo. This latest loss by the Broncos has got me thinking what the Broncos could learn from one of the most successful teams of all time, the New Zealand All Blacks. In his book, Legacy, the author James Kerr embeds himself in the team for six weeks. Kerr talks about how the team's core value, that individual character and dedication to the team, are their most important virtues. One key theme throughout the book is how the players own their culture and hold each other accountable for living up to its values. The coaches help and guide, but the players have to enforce amongst themselves the values that make them great. Did you know that the All Blacks have a tradition of sweeping the sheds where some of the greatest players in the world clean up and sweep the lockers after training and games to show no one is bigger than the team? The All Blacks select their players not based on who has the most talent, but who has the best character and will fit in best in their team first ethos. Their state policy of no bleeps excludes highly talented prima donnas, and this approach has worked for them extremely well. I'm sure the All Blacks are about to return another World Cup to New Zealand, and perhaps perhaps Coach Fangio needs to buy 53 copies of Legacy. Denver could do with some All Black ethos. Hmm, I like that, like that a lot, and it made me think of something that we talked about with Vic Fangio and potentially changing this culture. And that's not giving anyone two lockers, not making anyone above themselves. That's not the case. Nope, plenty of uh, double locker setups in there. Um, but All that was an old veterans. Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Jim? John Harbaugh. Yep. John Harbaugh, Jim. famous. No, John. John. No, you're right, John. <laughs> John Harbaugh famously took away Ray Lewis's second locker when he got to Baltimore, and it was a big deal. Um, but – I like that idea. I would love to see Von Miller having to clean out the lockers, especially since his is the messiest of all. <laughs> where would he put all his jerseys that he gets from At other his house, players? where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> Next one coming in from Bronco Maddie says, Hey, guys, my reaction to this game is this team is not just one piece away from the playoffs. Until Elway and Ellis are gone, nothing is likely to change. I still think Vic is a great coach, but Elway will never let him do his job. The thing I hate most about this season is some of these young quarterbacks killing it. We have a problem as fans if we want to settle for Flacco. We need to see Locke once ready. We need to find out if he if he is or isn't the guy. If not, go draft one high in the draft. Then completely go in and build around him. The problem is Elway absolutely won't do it. Going forward, all the losses are on Elway and Darth Ellis. Look forward to your reaction. That's some Darth Ellis. Uh, it's the first That's time some... I've seen anyone go after Joe this year. Yeah. But yeah, some bold pronouncements there. I just, it's not necessarily Joe Ellis's fault that they're in this position. The the team just needs an owner, and Joe Ellis is tasked with acting as the owner, but he's not an owner, and he doesn't bear the proverbial hammer the same way an owner would. You know, I asked you guys the question, are the Broncos going to win another uh, a playoff game under Elway? And I just, I almost think they need to hire a rebuild expert as their general manager and, and tr- truly embrace this thing. Embrace the suck as you live inside a world of it. Almost like the hiring of John Fox as the head coach. He knew how to uh, get a team back 
and then they had to go in a different direction to get them over the final hump. Could be something similar. Oh. Is kind of what you're saying. Yes. Okay, who is a rebuild expert? Uh, I, I'm not. That's uh, why you're on this available. Mace. Yeah, it's, <laughs> go. I mean, it's not as easy as you think because I understand that. I mean, you're basically saying, okay, you're hiring an assistant from somebody's successful rebuild. Like Buffalo. How did uh did the Chiefs fire John Dorsey? Yes, and then he went to Cleveland. Just get John Dorsey. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're basically looking at second-in-commands. Like, okay, in Indianapolis, who is Chris Ballard's second-in-command? Buffalo looks to be a very successful rebuild already. Who's second-in-command to Brandon Bean out there? That's kind of what you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious. Yeah, it's not like college football where you just look down at the lower school who just rebuilt and say, hey, we want that that team's coach. Right. Uh, it's not as easy as that, but – or you look at executives who've gone to other teams, guys that you know that have been part of successful turnarounds. A name that you can toss in there. Remember Champ Kelly, former Broncos uh, scout and uh, personnel executive? He's been with the Bears for the last few years. That's a successful rebuild. Yeah, so I, I just think at some point you're just going to have to do it. And I, don't, I, I understand that John Elway is, is – I don't think he's capable of – truly embracing a rebuild just because he's so in love with winning and I respect that about him to the 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 most degree the highest degree even though he already had a successful rebuild right but now you he, had Brian Zanders there have. as well but 2011 2012 Peyton Manning was the big piece of that but that 2011 draft he didn't have to is break what it made down, it possible though. he didn't have to do the demolition he just had to build from the ground up but he was inheriting someone else's mess sometimes it's different when you're inherit when you have the mess that happened on your watch compared to rebuilding from the disaster left behind by a previous administration it's easy to look at someone else's draft and say that guy sucks what the heck were you doing there bye-bye right and that's probably what Vic Fangio is doing with a lot of the players (laughs) on team. but John Elway looks at that guy and says no 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 if we get the right coach in here he can develop that guy they let can me, develop Garrett Bowles. Let me tell you about Jeff Hireman. Why are we doing John Gruden? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> the thing of Garrett Bowles, I mean, you, you're trying to get something out of him. Yay had no holding penalties on Sunday, but he was also involved in two sacks that were given up. From Bronco Brawler, well, guys, I'm officially discouraged. This team looks like a team that doesn't know how to win. I'm just going to list stuff that I hope you'll discuss without much justification to keep this shorter. One, everyone who wasn't taken in these last two drafts should be on the trade block. Two, Mahomes may actually be a god, and we're going to have to have an uphill battle until he's gone. Three is for Mr. B, although I hope he isn't seeing what's become of this team. Four, Kyler's the only quarterback I've seen who has any chance of keeping up with Mahomes, and Elway didn't even want him. Five, with all of this said, I believe it's time to move on from Elway, and this is the first time that I've believed this. Well, this fits in with all of the conversations we've pretty much already had. Yeah. The Broncos could lose their next 100 games, and I'll still be a BSN subscriber and a fan the whole time. But hopefully it changes on its way. Thank you, BSN crew, especially the draft crew, because that's going to be all we have. Do you remember the combine when John Elway was talking about what he was looking for in quarterbacks and how he wanted them to operate under center? He still believed that was the way to go. Yes, it was my question that prompted that answer. And And if you were a short questions, John winked at me. Yeah, (laughs) and if you were a short quarterback, you you had to operate in the shotgun. When I heard those responses, my heart kind of sunk a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because I knew we weren't getting Kyler. Yep. And it just wasn't – he wasn't open to everything. He wasn't open to, to good players. He was open to 
good players who fit a mold, a certain mold. And why uh, did he wink at you? Because of my question. What was your question? It was just so good. I just popped a wink out of him. Do you remember I it? I don't remember the exact uh, question. <laughs> that, remember? Oh, oh, good, good, good. And that came one year after you asked him, I believe, about Lamar Jackson. And he essentially said, like, it was like, is Lamar Jackson right. a quarterback or wide receiver? <laughs> yeah. and, and he was essentially like, well, that's going to be a decision some team's going to oh, have to make or something gosh. like that. He was, we, and we went on the podcast that day and said, all right, you can kiss Lamar Jackson goodbye. Just the same way that we went on the podcast and said, you can kiss Kyler Murray goodbye. Yep, exactly. And I don't know what it was about yesterday's game, but I've probably had more people in my mentions in the past 24 hours than ever calling for John. And obviously yeah. there's been there's been people calling for John for a while now, but more in the past 24 hours. I don't know what it is, but those are really ramping up. Well, it's, I think it was the idea that they played okay and they still put out had a terrible production. They read your piece. Yeah, exactly. The entire yeah. Broncos world read my piece. I'm just searching for my Twitter handle and Elway and uh, gosh, it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. And going <laughs> it's it's not good at all kind of like this comment section yeah. <laughs> bronco born bronco bred go ahead mace keep the faith boys if we went nine and seven with flacco this year then we would have kicked this perpetual mediocrity down the road until it smacked us in the face which is what is happening the past two seasons it's time for the rebuild it's time to play drew when he's healthy and find out if he's the quarterback of the future and see what we need to address in the draft like i said in a comment last week this is the fastest path to the next super bowl Let's say you go 9-7 with Flacco somehow, some way. The key is, if you do that, don't get caught up in the mental gymnastics of saying, we're close, we're close, we're close. And I, I say— Mace, they've been saying they were close when they were 6 and. I know. And, like, it, but in, like I, again, I love to cite Buffalo because even though I wasn't high on Josh Allen, he's doing well, but they've done a lot of smart things organizationally in the last three years, in part because they know they're staring at New England. How do we deal with that? Right. And they go 9-7 and seven in 2017, and their fans are going crazy. Yes, back in the playoffs for the first time, literally in the 21st century, we're going to the postseason. But they didn't get fooled by that. They said, we're going to keep rebuilding. We're not getting sucked in by the emotion of Tyrod Taylor getting us to our first playoff appearance. Traded up. They trade up to get Josh Allen. They maintain fidelity to their long-term plan, and they're starting to reap the benefits of it here on the back end. Although, big test for them against New England this week. I don't think they'll get it done, but I think they may push him a little more than people realize. I I still can't believe they didn't take a quarterback in that 2018 draft. Like. We were like, we went through the entire offseason being like they're definitely they have to draft a quarterback. They don't have any choice but to draft a quarterback. Even after they drafted Kate or signed Case Keenum, the thing I kept saying was, "Okay, that's good, but you cannot let Case Keenum prevent you from getting a quarterback that you like. If you really believe in Sam Darnold, then make sure you get him. Case Keenum is not somebody in whose basket you want to put all your eggs. And what do they do? They put the eggs in Case Keenum's basket. How silly is it that you have to remind people that they shouldn't have gone all in on Case Keenum? I mean, how silly does that seem today? It's absolutely wild. And now you look back and they could have had Josh Allen and they could have traded up for Sam Darnold and they could have had Lamar Jackson. 
And the only one they really couldn't have was Baker Mayfield, who was our favorite. Um, and, and he's one of two guys that I've really like hitched my wagon to is Baker and Kyler. One of them is has turned out well. We uh, Baker's not off the greatest start, but either one of them, you'd be in a better place now. And 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 the truth is. Sam Darnold, you'd be in a better place now. Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson, you'd be in a better place now. And Josh Allen, you'd be in a better place now. You know, if Drew Locke isn't the answer and the Broncos are quarterback shopping this coming offseason, the draft, I hope we're down at the Senior Bowl and we actually have some disagreement. Because right. what I'm finding is that the, I see things the same way as a lot of you guys, as you guys do on a lot of things like quarterback development and so forth. And I hope we've got reason to disagree if we're talking about Tua, Fromm, Herbert, etc., next spring credit where it's due andre did do his best to defend josh allen as we were just tearing into it <laughs> at the senior bowl and mace welcome to this pod where our biggest disagreement is that we don't disagree ever and it's a problem our biggest disagreement is upon food <laughs> yeah and mace let me welcome you to the wonderful world of colon from mullins he says, Ryan, Zach, Mace, <laughs> welcome to the BSN family. My apologies for not being able to post for the previous two games. My football Mondays, Australia, are insanely busy, so I didn't get the chance to watch or do a write-up for the games. Here's my quick catch-up. Roses are red, violets are blue, holding offense, number 72. <laughs> so good. A quick shout-out to Count Flacula and Iceman for providing consistent comedic comments. There are now a lot of personalities on this pod. I love it. With all of the kind words from you guys and the rest of the subscribers, as well as this week's game airing at 3 a.m. local time, I had enough energy, enough time to scrape one together. Consider this my return. I will endeavor to be back in the comments on a more regular basis. I hope you enjoy. Not a great start for the Orange and Blue, as they found their season record at 0-2. It was time for a fresh start, a new beginning, to bring back to Denver the culture of winning. The Broncos, however, were in need of some luck, as Green Bay and its Packers were no sitting duck. Green Bay was hot. Rodgers threw to the heavens. Valdez Scantling was there to put them up seven. The Broncos may have found themselves a returner when Spencer went 60, turning on the burners. Through the defense, Philip Lindsay tore on four consecutive plays for, for yards of 24. On the field, the offense remained, with Flacco fighting hard for a three-yard gain. The second play of the second quarter, Lindsay put the score back in order. A touchdown nullified by a questionable call. A trade of field goals moved the score to 10-all. But Flacco was stripped, and Fant stripped once more. The Packers took advantage, making it 10-24. to Royce Freeman churned, carrying the Packers' team. And Philip Lindsay and Phil gained 36, bursting through the seam. This touchdown was something you rarely see at all, as Reisner carried Lindsay, who carried the ball. Despite a successful 50-yard deep shot, did the Broncos win? Unfortunately not. Questions are mounting, and answers are, in need, are needed. As right now, the Broncos are looking defeated. Well what done. a return. <laughs> that that's was amazing, Colin. Fantastic. <laughs> and that's why we missed you so much. So good. So good. It was amazing. We should publish that. We should. We should. <laughs> Pulitzer worthy. <laughs> I hate to move on so quickly and force the real links to follow that up, but as maybe we... he's the poet laureate of BSN. Denver. Yes, yeah, definitely, no doubt. From the real links, why don't more teams just allow, just not allow sacks like the Packers did to the Broncos? That's good. Let's work on that. <laughs> Broncos should try that. Yeah, that'd be oof, that'd be quite a task. That was a career high for Joe Flacco. 
And I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> Although he is a statue. Yes. Yeah. Jackass. Hi, guys. If anything I'm about to mention has been spoken already, please feel free to ignore. Shout out. Just finished watching the game for the second time on Game Pass. I'm actually more frustrated than I was after watching on Sunday. Vaughn seems to be completely invisible, and from what I can see, seems to have either lost a step in a big way or just isn't trying. Is this scheme, or is he actually not giving his all? Hmm. I just feel like there's a flame missing inside of Vaughn Miller. And I don't know if it's his fault or someone or outside factors or if the losing has taken a toll on him, but I'm not seeing the flame burning inside of him. It's a good way to put it. It's not the same as it was in 2015. No. Part Definitely. of it, I think I think the team's struggles have gotten guys down, and you've got to find sometimes something really deep internally to keep going, or you're kind of focused on the individual side. I mean, like Emmanuel Sanders, you mentioned he had a smile on his face in the locker room last week after he had his big game against the Chicago Bears, even though the Broncos lost. I think Vaughn... I don't think it's that the flame is out. I think it's that he's in a pretty frustrating, frustrated place right now, both for himself, the scheme. I don't think the scheme is everything he wants it to be, and for the team performance. You know, like how he talks about, oh, it's a, it's a double L, no sacks, no law, and, and not a win. And I think it's all kind of adding up for him right now. For sure, and uh, yeah, uh, it's it's hard to watch because he's such a – bubbly person yeah. when things are going well. I feel like the spark is just in his personality, at least from a football perspective, it's not there. It's there in other ways. Yeah. But I feel like football's just an anvil around him right now. Would a change of scenery help? Uh, if they're winning. But if he has a three-sack game, he's right back in the groove, but you've got to get there first. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Really? I'm not enamored by the play calling. <laughs> I, had to, I was like, just, uh, I, I was like, okay, where did I leave off? We're back to the comment. Really, I'm not enamored by the play calling. It seems unoriginal and very basic. Are the wide receivers just not getting open? Or once again, is this a scheme issue? Like the, the introduction of a few Sutton bombs, hopefully this will continue. On the positive side, I love Dalton Reisner. All caps on that. What a baller. Him and Phil showed heart and dedication throughout the whole game. This is what the Broncos need going forward. Much love, guys. Keep up the good work. It was a it was a microcosm of the people of Colorado mm-hmm. helping each other, not uh, not giving up. <laughs> two and, Colorado kids doing it. And you know what I like about it? There, in Colorado politics, there's a pretty clear gulf between the farm country, the Eastern Plains, and the, the cities. City. Mm-hmm. But here you have the Eastern Plains. And the big city of Denver, two of them working together for a common cause. It's a reminder of what we can all do if we reach across the canyons that separate us, <laughs> extend a hand, link them, and bridge the gaps. And how about, I love that. And how about this? What's the one thing that unites all people in Colorado? They the love Denver the mountains. Broncos. Right. The Denver Broncos. I, know, I was going to say Breckenridge beer. And Breckenridge beer. <laughs> <laughs> Next one from Topsider20 says, Hey, guys, it's the Jacksonville fan here. I ended up getting those Rockies tickets this Friday when we fly in, Mace. Thanks for the advice. We are going to see the big gigantic, no idea who that is, on Saturday. And <laughs> then my Zach life will be complete them. on Sunday. I've heard of them. Okay. I've heard of them. Was that sarcastic? No, I just think you're <laughs> – I, I feel like 
based on the music I've heard in your car that you would like big big gigantic. I bet you're probably right. I want to, and then it will, my life will be complete on Sunday. I want to know all about this tailgate. I'll be there. Tough loss Sunday, but Philip Lindsay was a beast. Love us feeding him. Y'all think he's in for another big game this week? I'd love for that to happen while I'm there and rocking the super sick BSN Mile High salute shirt that I love. Thanks for all the hard work you guys put in and making those losses not hurt so much. P.S. If you guys have any advice for my first Denver trip, feel free to share. Well, go to the Broncos game and the Rockies game and the <laughs> and tailgate. Big and Big Gigantic. <laughs> and make sure you have some Breck Brews at all events. I mean, I feel like you're already pretty full. That sounds pretty full. I guess. Well, what are you doing on Saturday before going to Big Gigantic? I almost said big, huge, or big, large. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you could just hang out around downtown, hop on a scooter, go explore. Mm, yeah. Some of the neighborhoods. Go visit a park. Go visit City Park. Go visit Wash Park. Confluence Park. <laughs> Lots of parks in Denver. There actually are, like, the most parks in Denver. Will Parks. <laughs> uh, we'll probably be over at Vaughn's house. Probably. Iceman says, if you go to the mountains, be safe. There's little air to breathe and altitude sickness is no joke. Have a great first trip. (laughs) Yes. Make sure you uh, follow every Breck beer with one bottle of water. Mm, Mm, That's actually really good advice there. Motherly advice. (laughs) Uh, From the real links again. Oh, also, I just remembered. No bulls. He didn't have one penalty all game, and I think that really made me forget how bad the team is. (laughs) Yeah. Good bold call. Hey, I called it. Bulls mm-hmm. prediction. That's my bold prediction. <laughs> Coach Tobin, rebuild. <laughs> I know it's the popular opinion, and I'm ready. We are putting on the field simply isn't good enough. Take this season to see what pieces we need and let go of the ones we don't. See what Drew Locke is all about when he's ready. To me, that's more exciting to see rather than continuing to be in mediocrity. Get young. Tacos, crunchy or soft? We're going to be all right, Broncos country. I had... Crunchy tacos today. Uh-huh. Mm. So I'm going with crunchy. Uh, I'm sorry, so, Mace. That's, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So here's my take. If I'm getting a taco from like Taco Bell or one of those places, I'm going to go with crunchy. Okay. If I'm getting a, a taco from a place that sells real tacos, yeah. it got you have to be soft. And that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Of. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But and, and you were... To be fair, you were in the category uh, that fit crunchy. Yes. Yeah, I, I went to a fast food outlet. Yeah, then that, that, that that's acceptable. You definitely go crunchy in that situation. Um, what if you're making them at home? I'd always do soft. I go crunchy when I'm I making them at home. I go crunchy at home, too. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> do you throw them in the oven before? Um, nice and yeah, 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 yeah. But to. realistically, for me, they end up being little burritos. Right, mm. and that's, yeah. That's what, when you go to like an authentic taco place, they aren't little burritos. They're actual. Like, that's like real tacos. And also, if they do them right, they've got the little, uh, they've got the, the little um, stainless steel thing that's kind of the zigzag. Right. Yep. Oh, yeah. That you put the, the tacos in so they maintain their shape before you eat them. So I'll hit you with the middle ground, Chipotle. What about Chipotle? What are you doing? Hard or soft? You think I'm getting a taco I'm at Chipotle? A burrito. If you, oh my god! I've never in my Use life had a taco. Use your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, order is always the same at, Ch- at Chipotle. It's pinto beans, chicken, brown rice, cheese, pico de gallo, corn salsa. Very different from mine. Um, what's yours? Mine, um, well, the non-keto version of my order. 
half chicken, half steak burrito, extra white rice, black beans, hot salsa, no pico or corn. Wow. Lots of cheese, sour cream, and a little bit of lettuce. Wow. No guac. I get every salsa. Every salsa. Wait. Are you the kid yeah. who used to take your soda cup and put a little bit of each one in? <laughs> I've done yeah. it. Of every course. salsa together. I, no offense, Zach. I don't mean to impugn your salsa taste, but that sounds awful. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's I, fantastic. I like the flavor of the green salsa, except there's like large chunks of onions in it, which really oh, turns mm, it off for me. Love onions. Onions are my favorite. If I could get, you know how they have the veggie mix? If I could get that just with the onions, I would do it. Excuse me, you want just um, f- fajita vegetables and onions? Fajita vegetables, sands, everything but the onions. Wait, what? So you just want the grilled onions, right, just in the your onions. burrito? Yep. That's so. Yeah. I could do that for about half my burrito. Can you get them to pick the onions out <laughs> of the fajita mix? I mean, like, thankfully, I've never asked them to do that. I just like onions, and I'm just. Seeing the person behind the counter mouth agape. I recently what? I recently uh, have been, become privy to the fact that when you order wings, you can ask for all drums or all flats. If that's, really, if that's your prerogative. Really, I didn't know that. I yes. didn't either. Which one would you go? <sighs> drums, definitely. Mace? The wings. I'm sorry. I want the chicken wing. Wow! So you want the flat? Uh, see, it's a it's a a common debate. I'm a, I've always been a drums guy. The big reason you can eat them with one hand, so you don't have to get sauce on both hands. And wings, you do you put your tongue in there to get the middle part? No, out, you or? break it. Oh, you break it. Never done. How that. do you eat your flats? I I just get in there. I make a mess. <laughs> I, I, chicken wings are so you a go fantastic. like corn on the cob method. Yes. And I'm using literally about 15 wet wipes a meal. Yeah, see, that's the, I thought that was the only way you could do it. So the way I do it is you find the joint, and then you, you take the little arm, and you break that one off, and then, <laughs> wow. and then you just eat the meat off the rest. Wow. Mm. That's savage. That's <laughs> part of eating wings. You go, you go back to, like, yeah, it's your, your caveman yeah. roots. And you're just thankful for the sauce. Next one from Artie Dollywall. We got it. Don't worry about that, Dollywall. Damn, this sucks. Need a quick, need a win quick. Feels like I am some kind of Twilight Zone. Deja vu. Same ugly feeling for three years. They'll get a win Sunday. You need a college team. Save my weekend. From Willie Thomas. I love Elway as much as the next guy, but this is on him. You can't be arrogant for years trying to win now with a bad team until we get to the current situation. Whether it's making dumb win-now moves, forcing an outdated system because his ego says it worked for me and I'm the best, or drafting quarterbacks who only look like me, tall and big arm, and passing on the more talented players, I can't give him any more passes. Time to wake up and admit he made mistakes, take our young pieces, try to have an ounce of humility, and start the rebuild. Wake up, John. <laughs> Is that what you're whispering into his ear in the morning? <laughs> wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> Now it, sounds like, now it sounds like the middle of the beginning of like a metal song or something. <laughs> Actually, really did the, the whispering, the wake up. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you whisper it, the that part is actually from an old Marvin Gaye song oh, called Sexual metal. Hearing Healing. Oh, of course. It's, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> I don't remember. I've how, that, being, that part. Yeah. <laughs> I know the song. I'm yeah, familiar with the song. And then later it's like. It's whispered part. The other part, Marvin Gaye actually sings it. 
Does hmm. John need some football healing? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Oh, yeah, we'll there you go. That. We'll do that. From Brian Boss, to add salt to the wound, Shaq Barrett is le- leading the league in sacks, and the guy getting 18 mil a year has zero. Also, you guys think Vaughn is not playing? I see him give up on plays, and it seems like he has zero passion for football anymore, or maybe just the Broncos. Wait, you think Vaughn's making 18 mil per year? <laughs> He's making 25 this year, buddy. <laughs> Shaq has already gotten it down to under a million per sack, and there's no chance that Vaughn will get to that this year. You asked me a question last week. Does Shaq, at the end of the season, do, does either Vaughn or Chubb catch him in sacks? And I said one of them will, both of them won't. Nope. Now I ask you the question, will either? No, 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 no. Yeah, Shaq's going to be – Shaq's going to have more sacks than either of them. At this point, I'd like the team as a whole to catch Shaq. To, <laughs> to, to catch Shaq. I'm not even kidding. Like, yeah. obviously, it should happen, but until it does – uh, I'm in. I'm in waiting mode. Well, let's see what happens now that teams are starting to scheme Shaq. Right, going against the Bucks. Why would Gardner Minshew throw a single pass over five yards this week? He no, shouldn't. He, he shouldn't. Oh man! Unless the Broncos can somehow get up fourteen nothing early, and part look part of this pass rush issue, believe <laughs> Here it or we not, go again. no part of the pass rush issue is on the offense. It is, but you built this offense. I know. Yeah. Not you, Mace. <laughs> Yep. Oh, man, alive. Well, 50 comments. That is more than the Broncos have points this season, and we are done with all of them. So, with that being said, thanks, you guys, for tuning in. At least we got some good food talk in today. (laughs) And we are uh, 20 seconds away from two-hour podcast. So, uh, at least we have that, too. Uh, But for the fellas here with me, thank you for tuning in. And we will talk to you tomorrow on the BSN Broncos podcast. And it's going to be an exciting day. So we'll talk to you then. Green Mountain Dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of Lakewood's best family dental care offices. Um, I have been a patient since I was three, which is in 1974. You know, my parents, myself, and now my children all go there. It's just a great place to be, very positive experience with them, definitely. New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family's doing. You know, just very 
friendly and family oriented. It's just very comfortable to to be there. That's Green Mountain Dental Group dot com. Where you say-